When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. You're now listening to The Check-In with Black Menswear. And I'm your host, Neandre Broussard, CEO and founder of Black Menswear. It's unfortunate that black men have had to fight negative perceptions that not only make our personal journeys more difficult, but directly impact the wider African-American community. On The Check-In, we provide proof against these stereotypes by discussing engaging topics that uplift our community through interviews of inspiring individuals with stories of racks to riches, defeat to victory, and just downright interesting stuff you'll want to hear. Although Black Men's World was birthed out of a love for men's fashion and style, that love has blossomed into one of the internet's foremost communities for men to gain encouragement, inspiration, and of course, style and swag tips. We've literally gone viral over and over again for our flash mobs. Now, you ain't gotta be black to listen to this podcast, but you do have to keep an open mind and have a desire to be a part of something to change the narrative. Thanks for tapping in. This is The Check-In with Black Men's Wear. Yo, yo, what's up, beautiful people? How are you all doing this evening? Uh, it's your boy, it's whatever out here. Uh, I'm actually the vice president of partnerships here uh, for Black Men's Wear. Uh, taking over for the check-in tonight because uh, our founder, Neandra Broussard, I don't know if you guys are down there in Texas, I got snowstorm. You know, Texas isn't really built to handle the infrastructure for those snowstorms, so we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but no good, no worries. Your boy, it's whatever. I'm here to kind of help you guys out. I'll be here helping you guys, taking you out throughout this evening uh, with the check-in. So tonight, let's kind of get some of the first uh, check-in things kind of taken care of first. As you all know, first ever 2021 flash mob coming up in Atlanta. Second time we're gonna be in Atlanta. Uh, we're doing this, obviously we've grown a lot since the last time we were in the ATL. We will be there March 4th through March 7th. We will be there executing the flash mob March 6th Registrations are open. Go to weareblackmenswear.com and you will be able to join that. Follow the check-in podcast, all podcast channels, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, um, you name it, we on there. Follow in, subscribe, listen to it. Um, our brand new website is up, weareblackmenswear.com. You can go there, subscribe for our newsletters. So that's how you can get all your style tips, educational tips, quotes from a black man, um, how we're really here to kind of change the narrative and continue to make an introduction. We're in the process of finalizing our guests for the next episode of Dapper Conversations, which we also will be shooting in Atlanta um, that Friday, March 5th. So it's going to be a great weekend. Looking forward to working with you all. Looking forward to hosting you all. Now let's kind of bring in the guest of honor, Charity Croft. Hold on one second for me. Charity, what's good, sir? How's it going? What's good, my brother? How you feeling? Doing well, doing well, man. You staying nice and warm out here? 
Yeah, boy. I didn't even know you was in Chicago. <laughs> well, no, you posted that shit the other day. So, yeah. No, nah, I didn't even know you was out here. We should kick it. Yeah, yeah COVID, we should. Though, so, probably not. Like, but I feel you. Yeah, we're we going to start to do our best. You no, know, but, you know, I'm happy to have you on here because people always be saying, yo, when y'all going to get somebody from the Midwest? On the, on the check, and we be having everybody from the West Coast, from the East Coast, down South. We haven't had too many Chicagoans on here, so happy to host you. Host it down. You originally from Gary, right? Originally from Gary, yes, sir. Yeah, gotcha. born and raised. Well, I'm going to let you do your intro, because nobody can intro yourself as good as you will, because you are a beast. But I will say, for those who have TikTok, for those who are on IG Reels, the man that I'm talking to right now, Charity Crop, is by far my favorite follow when it comes to TikTok, when it comes to IG Reels. Like, I'll just say that. I'll, I'll turn it over to you, bro. I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Charity Croft. Uh, I care about making Earth better. I believe that humans are limitless. And I have dedicated my life to reminding as many people as possible that they are limitless and also becoming limitless myself. Uh, and I do that through music and words. So, yeah. Yo, yo, I mean... I love how you started off with saying you inspire people to be limitless, right? One yeah. of the things we do here at Black Men's where our mission really is to change the narrative, primarily in terms of how Black men are defined. Uh, so I want to ask, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, how are you changing the narrative yourself? How am I changing the narrative? Um, the, I feel like I need context for such a question. It's changing the narrative of what? However, you would choose to define it. We like to look at it in terms of from our platform. It's like we like to say we're changing every how black men are portrayed, right? We like to say one, um, the concept of black excellence isn't isn't all defined to rappers, athletes, and entertainers, right? How come you don't hear the stories with black doctors, black engineers, black lawyers, right? All black people are not monolithic, right? We all we are one diaspora, whether you're from the Caribbean Isles, whether you're from Africa, whatever, but at the same time, we're not inherently the same. So we talk about how we're changing the narrative of redefining not only what black masculinity is, what black excellence, but just what it means to be a black man in general. So I would mm. say to you, how is no, it changing the narrative? Yeah. Uh I'm changing the narrative. Um how am I changing the narrative? Here's how I would answer that question. I would say that I am a rapper and I am an academic. And so I think that I am putting a little bit more uh, intelligence, if you will, a little bit more consciousness into hip hop culture while simultaneously taking the stick out of the ass of academia. Right. You know, because there's this two separate thing. We imagine a academic person. We see Cornell West. We see insert your favorite academic here. Right. And then over here we have Drake. Uh, There's an interesting. I feel like if Martin Luther King existed today, it would be imperative for him to have a certain level of cool. Right. He would need to be embedded in that hip hop culture because that's what gets people. You know what I'm saying? When right. you get people through a connection of authenticity and oftentimes academia is this very, well, hey, let me tell you about the way in which the world works. But I think when people overly succumb to this, uh, honestly, primarily white narrative of what intelligence is or what the intelligentsia that that demographic is, um, these people tend to be false. And I want to be honest. And I think honesty is that black people often exist in many different intersections and I want to completely infuse them. I feel like if Tupac and Nipsey were still alive right now, that they would be 
doing a fucking amazing music video shoot this day, and then the next day they would be teaching a seminar at Harvard. And I want to right. exist like that. I want to be with Future one day in the trap, and the next day with Cornell at Harvard. That's what I want. But it's, it's interesting you mentioned Tupac and Nipsey, right? Because those are two guys, obviously, rest in peace. They've been passed on too soon. But both of those guys, their legacies kind of lived on in terms of what they've been able to put forth, as you said, doing the music video. Oh, you got Nipsey right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, shout out, shout out Nip. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. But he also did have some sort of, both of them, even though they weren't quote, you know, quote unquote educated in the traditional sense, they don't have, they didn't have multiple degrees, right? They didn't go to college, but they are, were academics. They were very smart, Absolutely. very, very smart, uh, well, well learned in, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you're saying. But, but to that point, so why do you think, um, two, two part question, why do you think one, there has been that negative connotation between hip hop and music, music and academia, part one, and two, how do you, why do you think those two guys specifically, was there anything that they did that allowed them to kind of differentiate themselves to not fall within that negative stigma? Yeah, I think that the disconnect to your first question is uh, it's on both sides. In the hood, it's just like, again, I'm from Gary, Indiana. I grew up with a particular yeah. existence where it's just like, honestly, the fact that I can rap is what saved my life. In the end, because when I was in my neighborhood, it's just like I was the particularly smart person. Like I went to a, a different school. Like I didn't go to the, my local school. I went to like a gifted school and type shit, which made me get bullied. People thought, oh, he the smart nigga. He thinks he's better than us. And again, it wasn't their fault. The thing about when you're in these socioeconomic conditions right. is just like when you don't have much and you see somebody with a little bit more access, it's just like, damn, I wish I had that. That's not to no one's fault of their own. Yes, you know I just so right. happen to be blessed with two parents that put me in these particularly gifted school. So on our own accord, it's um, it's it's again imagining that having a high level of intellect is actually something to aspire to. So there's that. Right. And then on the other on the other hand, as far as in the reverse, uh, there's this good Negro syndrome, right? We we imagine that um, in order to be a respectable black person you must dress up and and be well presented and look good within the overarching white gaze you dig what i'm saying and i'm very anti everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light and so when you see the average rapper and people talking with a certain twang in their voice, people imagine that there's a there's less intellectual value there because they're not ascribing to what the cultural norm is of what intellect is. So that's right. that. Uh, those are the two divides, both from the hood and from academia. And as far as why Nipsey and Tupac were able to supersede that, it's because all, all intelligence is is curiosity. That's mm. all it is. It's curiosity and courage. You dig what I'm saying? That's all it is. Like, people that are genius if you will are people uh albert einstein has a quote he said i never consider myself particularly smart just passionately curious and that's what tupac and nipsey were they were passionately curious and they were bold enough to step out and when they felt something and they believed something they spoke that shit boldly that was that hip-hop in them and i think that was the perfect merger which is why i idolized them in a particular way like that so yeah I love that you say curiosity, especially with the content that you create, right? Because what you're doing, at least why I love it, I was, people don't know why, when I was in college, I was a history major for the first two years, right? So like, for really sure. in terms of how you're redefining and retelling those narratives really appealed to me. 
But I think kind of one of the things you're doing, you're challenging the curiosity, right? You're, like whether it's like uh, climate change and playing, explain the seven minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first video I think you got had a million views was like, you know, the math, how scientifically proved that God was real, right? Or mm-hmm. you have the ones even, I think today, yesterday you posted about why we celebrate Valentine's Day and the history behind that, right? What you're doing is you're just providing a short snack of a way people to tap into that inner curiosity like, how did you kind of start doing that? How did those ideas kind of come about? Uh, it's funny. When I was in college, uh, I, I was never particularly good at school, right? And that's another conversation we could add. We can talk more if we get to there. But I was never particularly good at school, but I was always obsessed with learning. And so I tell people all the time that I got kicked out of college because I was learning too much. I got kicked Ooh. out of two colleges, by the way. Explain that. Oh, no, no. Before you get to the answer, how did you, like, how did you get kicked out of college because you were learning too much. Yeah, a joke. A jo- but a, a joke <laughs> way of saying it. But, but, but accurate. Because I didn't actually care about whatever the fuck the schoolwork was. But I would be researching, I would be reading books obsessively all day. They just had nothing to do with the coursework. So I wasn't doing work, right. but I was obsessively learning. So back to the, to the educational video, um, I, I, I read a lot about... Um, Basically, spirit science is what they call it. Basically, the concept that there is this intersection between spirituality and science. You get to the golden ratio and 1.618. All of these different um, idiosyncrasies about the way in which the universe works, which hint towards some concept of maybe there was a designer. Maybe there was an entity that did this on purpose. And I used to just read obsessively about that shit. I used to watch educational videos about it. And one day I was like, I can talk about some shit like this. I could, I could explain. I get this. I could explain it. And I literally posted a video randomly. Um, just that, that first video that you're talking about. And it got a million views in a week. I had no following, no nobody. Just randomly posted it on some honestly boring shit. And then, and that's what happened. And, well, so, and now yeah. you went over 150 million views, something like it's that. Like, all yeah, in. Damn near at this point, yeah. I think it's great that you did that one because to your point, I love that it got a million views and you didn't have a following. Because you know what makes that great is that people needed to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. That's what made it so impactful that they needed to hear that in that moment. They needed to hear not only in terms of how it was presented by you, but from somebody that looks like you, right? Because mm-hmm. even to your point, you're challenging the concept of academia, you're challenging the concept of intelligence. So even even what you're saying in terms of um, somebody that looks like you, quote unquote, should not be able to frame it up in the way that they would want to, traditionally speaking, right? No, I'm charity, I'm here, I'm raw, I'm learning, I'm talking about, there's no reason that I can't have this conversation and challenge anybody, these professors, any of these deans, why can't we have an open debate? Why can I frame this up in the best way that's for me and people that look like me to understand it in a way that's more contextualized for them, right? It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to. And then you even gotta get to talk about with us with changing the narrative, Part of what we do is, you know, uh, the history of how the textbooks we read, like that's white history telling us that, right? Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. now, we're just now getting to the conversation where they're embracing like black history is American history. They're not separated. They're right. one and the same. They go hand in hand together, right? right. I know one of the things you do, like you talk about habits or skills to like people to live like successful life. I think, how do you kind of go about to that? Like, what did you, what about you? in terms of intrinsically motivates people. Like, why do you want people to be so happy? You said, why do I want people to be so happy? Yeah, like, in terms of a lot of times you like that negativity, like, what is it about you that, like, challenges people to really look in themselves and be like, you know what? Everything is going to be okay. There's no reason that I can't be happy. Because what's your alternative? Sadness? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, right. I, and I don't mean to ask, say that in a flipping way, but I'm saying, like, 
why wouldn't people want to focus on happiness? That's what everybody truly wants. Sadhguru, he's like a yogi that I follow. And he talks about all that humans want is pleasantness. From the most kind person to the most evil person, evil uh, person, everybody just wants to feel pleasant. That's what everybody wants at their deepest core. They're just, their methodology might be different. Somebody's way of feeling pleasant is having ultimate power and being the overlord of earth. And now I feel pleasant because of that. But at the end of the day, people want pleasantness. And so if I can get you to figure out how to access that pleasantness without A, impeding on other people and B, um, looking for it outside of you. And I'm not trying to get ultra spiritual on it, but I'm saying like we tend to, we tend to export happiness out because happiness is something that you have to grab incrementally. Whereas joy, bliss, peace, these are these things that kind of remain. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in joy. Okay, so you mentioned pleasantness, joy, peace. All those are the concoction, the cocktail that make up happiness. Or how would you like if you would put it in? The no, 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 no. I feel like happiness could be like you could go have sex right now and be happy, but you know, what I'm saying? like for real, like you can do a lot of things to get happy, right. but to right, get right. joy, you got to do some work. You got to do right, some true. work, and a lot of that work is just disconnecting from all suffering. Is either is a lack of presence, right? Guilt, mm. resentment, shame, hate. These are too much focus on the past. Right. Anxiety, worry, fear. Those are too much focus on the future. But when you're right here right now, the only thing that's happening right now is charity speaking to Evan and Evan speaking to charity. And literally nothing else is happening right now. You may be thinking about some concerns that you have or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is this moment, this now, as Eckhart calls it, the eternal now is the only thing that exists. And I'm here to help people realize that. Realize yeah. that most of our struggles and our worries and our pain and our sadness is um, it's just it's literally just work of the imagination. Because right now, in this exact moment, you chill it. Everything Correct. is okay. Yeah. Correct. I love that. I love that. Uh, one thing I, I want to kind of try that, that kind of stuff focuses on in terms of I love how you, a lot of you in the videos, you just end with I love you, right? That's amazing to me because so to your point, sometimes just hearing somebody, can we do be in our own thoughts, right? Because as you said, all those other things, anxiousness, worriedness, sadness, those are our own thoughts telling us that people don't care about us, That's right? Exactly. So even just you saying, I love you, that can make somebody's day better, can make somebody bring that joy that you describe to somebody else. So yeah. I love that. Part two, I also love it too because like as a black male, you know when you talk about this concept of like toxic masculinity and male fragility, the mm. concept of one man not being able to tell the other man, I love you, that's kind of mm. seen as like, bro, what you mean you love me? Yeah. Like, nah, bro, like, I love you. Like, that was, and that's like, so I love that you uh, talk about that. I would love for you to kind of expand on that, even just sharing that joy of just even as a man telling other people that, yo, I love you and why that is okay as well for some of the brothers out there that might, you know, might not feel it's okay to express that at times. So my dad um, was a very hyper-masculine man. I would even okay. say he is a very hyper-masculine man. And again, my daddy is old. He's 65. He's from Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? Grew up in the Jim Crow, civil rights era, all that shit. So he has a reason that there's a certain level of heartedness to him. But in his mind, and in the, in the minds of a lot of Black people, um, manliness is a survival mechanism. You dig what I'm saying? Like when you yeah. walk through the hood and anybody that you see is a potential threat, 
you damn near can't just be smiling and joyful because now you a goofy. Right. You dig what I'm saying? You could you fuck around, you a stain instantly just because because you just appear like somebody that we can take advantage of because again, not due to the people themselves, but due right. to the socioeconomic environment, the lack there of is, is, yeah. is just us, it's a spice. So particularly in the black community, hypermasculinity is real heavy because to us, the only way to survive was to be a man, to poke out your chest, to not be no little bitch. All of this type of things is how we were raised to believe. The reality of the matter, though, is that um, once we be able, once 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 we become able to to tear off that mask, there's a movie that everybody should watch. It's a documentary called "The Mask We Live In," and it's a whole documentary about hypermasculinity and how it affects men. The first sentence in the movie is If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Uh when was the first time you were told to be a man? You know, and I remember it was the day I turned 10. My daddy on my 10th birthday was just like, You in double digits now, son. And that meant something to him. The idea that I went from now a single-digit nine to a double-digit ten in his head, that was like, it's time to man up. It's time to not allow the world to get you. So we use it as a defense mechanism. It's a mask. But once we take that mask out and we start to befriend that feminine part of ourselves, right, that love, that empathy, that care, that creativity, that dance, and that freedom of movement, that's when black men become free. That's a long fucking journey, and it's, diff- it's difficult, but I'm here for it. The movie yeah, is called The Mask We Live In. Uh, see, somebody said, what's the movie called? He said, befriend the feminine part of ourselves, and that's when we become free. That's a bar. That's a that's a good gem right there. I, and even to your point about, I think a lot of things we talk about, like um, the socioeconomic situation we live. Even like to, to your point, what feminine part of ourselves versus masculine, those are still like, I mean, there are things that are kind of built up, but those are, those are societal norms. Right? right, they're not really truly things that are actual rooted necessarily in fact. They're just societal norms that over the years have been passed down to us. And I feel like a lot of the content you do to create is to one either debunk societal norms Absolutely. or embrace the societal norms to like negate that stereotype as well. So, oh yeah, and I'm real. I'm real about debunking societal norms. I feel like I got a chapter in this book that I'm working. I'm working on a book called Building Destroy. Uh, there's a chapter called um, "What Is Your Religion," and mm-hmm. basically in that in that chapter, I talk about the fact that, in my opinion, the religion of Earth, meaning the thing that we practice the most, is conformity. We just Ooh, that's, that's Earth's religion. We just act like everybody else. Good one. You know what I'm saying? But once you separate from that and you become capable of saying, "Hmm, why the fuck do I celebrate Valentine's Day?" Which is why little shit like that might seem petty, but it's me. Right. No. It's me poking like. Hey, why do you do this? Right. Did you decide to do this? Why is this your decision? Is this really your decision? You know, this Socratic right. questioning is what they call it. But yeah, that's what I be on. I would love, I know you just did the video, so I want to see, I want everybody to go to your page and check out the video. But if you just kind of give like a 15 second synopsis of the Valentine's Day in terms of how that, even us celebrating that is an act of conformity, I would love to you just drop that in there really quickly if you don't mind. So, uh, uh, basically, we wear red on Valentine's Day because a bunch of Roman priests back when motherfuckers was worshiping Roman gods used to sacrifice goats, rip the flesh off of the goat, 
and smack women in the street with the blood because supposedly that would make them more fertile. And the women would be like, yeah, smack me with the blood so I can become fertile. And the more covered in red you are, the more uh, available you are for a potential mate because it would increase your fertility. Women were valued via their ability to have kids. Thus, this is why we wear red. Some goofy shit. <laughs> wow. That's so wild. So wild. Why do you think, do you think it is easier for people to conform than it is to embrace individualism? For sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's lit. It's, I think that's like in the definition of the word, like conform, like it's, it's, it's to not have to think like, hmm, I might as well not think I might as well get up for work today at nine and get off at five and make my paycheck and do whatever else that I was trained to do because I went to school, which was only created. And I ain't trying to get super, but school was created by a nigga named Horace Mann who basically wanted to support the industrial revolution. He was just like, we need jobs. We need a labor force. Let's create a thing that helps people best folk. Uh, function in the labor force. He had no negative intent. This made sense in the 1800s or whenever the fuck he made up. Right. It was just like, let's create a system, a situation in which uh, people learn how to operate in a labor force. But if you're working in a factory and you're an automaton, then your best ability is the ability to be able to follow instructions. Obedience is the best thing for somebody in a factory. So school, sit down, ask for a pass to go to the restroom, raise your hand. The whole thing is really just a big-ass obedience class. And now it's just so you can be fed into this workforce system. But now it's it's completely archaic and expired. It actually doesn't work. It's it's worthless at this point. We still haven't coped with that. We're about to cope with it, I believe, within the next 10 years because all of those jobs that we were training people for within the next 10 years will be automated by robots and then it will be completely worthless. And then the only thing will be how much you're able to come up with a new idea rather than following the instructions. You were about to say something. Yo, because like two things you said to me really spoke to me right there. The first one being was conformity is removing our ability to think. If you tie that back to what you said at the beginning, like that's just basically we're removing our own curiosity. Mm. Right? Mm. So mm. that kind of, you brought that full circle. Yeah. You also brought full circle in terms of how the school, the traditional school of educational is, uh, is us being obedience, right? To your joke about how I got kicked out of two schools because I was I was learning too much, right? <laughs> but what you were doing, you were not being obedient in terms of how you were obtaining and, and um, utilizing the knowledge. So, like, you, like, subconsciously brought us full circle on both mm. those points, and so that was phenomenal. So Yeah, you, you're uh, phenomenal. You, you're, you're really good at <laughs> connecting shit. I didn't even uh, know that. No, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, I do, one question we like to ask a lot of people on, our, on this show is that we don't really believe in the concept of failure. Right, because we like to say that failure is pretty much when you give up. You, right. No matter like when you really say, you know what, throw in the white flag, throw your hands up in there, and say I'm done. That's when it's a failure because you're choosing to stop. Right. Mm. That being said, I would like to say, was there a moment of time where you had a setback, had a quote unquote failure that maybe set you up for later success? That kicked out of two colleges. <laughs> no, for real. It fell into deep depression. Like I'm talking about, like deep depression. I tell people all the time that I was, uh, I was what's called passively suicidal. My friend Miranda, she uh, told taught me that term. Very interesting fucking term. Passively suicidal means you don't actually want to kill yourself because you're probably afraid of that. You might think you would go to hell, or you're afraid to shoot yourself, or whatever the cut. You don't want to actually inflict pain, so you don't actually want to kill yourself. You just hope that maybe I walk outside tomorrow and get hit by a bus. You dig what I'm wow. saying? I was that. Yeah, I got you. 
where I was afraid to kill myself. But if I would have just happened to die on one of those days in my head, that would have been a good thing to happen. But again, why was I depressed? I was depressed because I felt that I was not living up to what I was supposed to as a man within this capitalist construct of a system of expectations. I failed out of two colleges. I am a failure. Thus, I won't be able to make enough money. Thus, I won't be valued as a man. Thus, what the fuck am I doing? I'm a bum ass nigga. Oh my God, I still live with my parents. I'm 24. Oh shit. And then you, you fall into that sadness. Interestingly enough, because everything works in divine order, as a result of, as a, as a sheer byproduct of my sadness, I would like watch YouTube videos to try to just pull myself up out of it. I ended up stumbling again about uh, uh, stumbling upon a documentary called The Secret. You've probably heard of it, you know, where they talk about the law of attraction and the ability to create the life that you want. And then I got obsessed with this law of attraction thing and the idea that God exists within everything and that we have a power to decide and choose our lives despite anything. And so had it not been for me damn near wanting to kill myself, I wouldn't have sought out some type of answer and thereby became the very person that's speaking to you right now. Mm. Suffering is by far the greatest teacher in our, in our world. You dig what I'm saying? Suffering, or at least initially, because eventually I think we as humans, when you get to like full yogi level, you can probably supersede suffering. But when you start right. out, like suffering is your teacher, you know, and not to get to Christianity, but Christ said, um, this is the cross that we must bear. Like, like when he was going to get crucified, he literally carried the, the cross on his back. Whether or not people believe in Christ exists or not, that's irrelevant. Let's just talk about the story. You dig what I'm saying? Like he carried this cross on his back, knowing he, he purposefully and intentionally entered into suffering, knowing that rebirth, resurrection is what comes on the other side. And that is the story of life. It is a story of suffering, death, and then rebirth out of that death into something greater. That is our life story. Wow. Wow. Man, uh, I agree with that. The suffering is our greatest educator. I agree with that. Uh, I think think the concept in terms of you being, I mean, you said you were passing suicidal and you went to therapy. How did you? How I didn't go to therapy. I I, I therapized myself on <laughs> <Okay>. YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I probably need some therapy to be ace with you. I never went to therapy. Gotcha. How, so I mean, how did you? Did you when you were in that depressive state? Um, was it was it that documentary that pulled you out of there that kind of helped you know like okay you know what uh, I need to be more. What's that? It was the seed, you know, the catalyst, okay. if you will. It was the first thing. It was the first bit of like some little light just got shined in my eyes. Just like, oh wait, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's literally like the Matrix, one of the greatest metaphorical movies of all time. Right. Remember when they had woken up and and then now and then. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And then they peeled this little film off his eye. Oh, it's just such a deep, it's just so big, it's so much allegory in the Matrix. But again, that's what we exist. We, we exist blind, just, just literally finding our way through life. 
And then sometimes once that little bit of that light shows, right, it's never going to go dark again. It's like, uh-oh, what is this? And now that spark, it, all it takes is the tiniest spark to create a wildfire. And that's what happened. I was in the complete depths of darkness. There was this tiny spark. You know, you can speak your life into existence. Hmm. hmm. Tell me more, Abraham Hicks or whoever the fuck was on the secret documentary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you start learning. Yeah. So I like so from from that in terms of speaking your life into existence. What was it? Is like you know what I need to share this narrative. I need to you know inspire, share what I'm learning, what how I've been acting. Basically, to show your journey with other people so they can also tap into themselves as well. It wasn't that deep at first. It was for the fuck of it at first. <laughs> you know, for sure, like literally, just like literally. Yeah, I'm not even gonna cap with you. Like I literally made an educational video, just like, hmm, this would be cool to talk about. But then it's funny because, like, man, you know, and I'm not trying to be all super spiritual. I wouldn't even call myself a Christian, but I was raised Christian, and the Bible got gems. Whether you fuck with Christianity or not, it's right. gems. But there's this yeah, gems in there. Yeah. It's just like your gifts will make room for you. You dig what I'm saying? And it's just like, you could be just doing whatever the fuck you want to. And there's something is going to happen in life that's just going to say, yep, this is where you belong. Right? We are still like, we are not God. There is something that is bigger than us that is orchestrating how these things happen. I would, I would be lying and I would be almost arrogant to speak to you like, yeah, I started, I'm like, I'm going to wake up the motherfucking world. It wasn't like that. I went through a bunch of suffering and I just so happened to have a voice that when I spoke about that suffering, people were like, was that catharsis helped to heal others? And then I was right. like, damn, there's some shit I need to be doing. And I started doing it with music. I was in a group called Archduke. We had this song called I'm Gonna Be Happy. I literally had, had it tatted on my Yo, arm. Shout out Archduke. Shout out Archduke. For sure. And uh, we made a song called I'm Gonna Be Happy, which was literally, I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna be good. You better believe it. I'm gonna be happy. I'm gonna be good. Get that understood. And it was just us manifesting our life, just talking about the things that we learned. And eventually it became like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to remind people that they are limitless. Not teach them, not tell them, remind them. Cause they forget. Oh, wow. That's dope. I, and it's funny, I love kind of kind of the conversation we're having right now. Cause did we see Judas and the Black Messiah yet? No, I ain't seen it. I listened to the uh, to the goddamn uh, soundtrack, but I ain't seen it yet. Though. Yeah, so it's it's great. It's like I would I want you to watch that because even like you know even the revelation you said you had he was like twenty four twenty five when you had that revelation. You think about like Fred Hampton, he was twenty one years old, right mm-hmm. at that time. Kind of really what you were saying, like he realized our power is in numbers and we can be limitless together, right? Mm-hmm. So while he wasn't necessarily voicing the message in exactly the same way you were doing it, you're still kind of carrying on that legacy in Chicago. Right. In terms of like being here in the Midwest, Chicago is actually a very unique city in the fact that like it was one of the main places from the Great Migration North. Right. Oh, yeah. Like I said, my daddy from Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. My my family's from Mississippi as well. You have them coming up north looking for what you said, the greater opportunities. Right. But then when they get here, they still are rooted in the same level socioeconomic constructs that they're dealing with in the South. It's just packaged differently. Absolutely. It's just repackaging. So I say that to say, in terms of like, man, you're a phenomenal content creator. Like, uh, like, man, I'll say, how did you get so good at reels and TikTok videos and like packaging up to do like, cause the videos you're able to get like as much information as you can in 15 seconds or in mm-hmm. 30 seconds to where it's like, yo, that's a quip, 
But like, that's phenomenal. Like, how did you go about like, I can, I'm going to know, like, this is my medium for me to share my platform. So. so there's another book that I'm working on. Uh, I'm working on like five books at the same time because I'm obsessed. But there's another book that I'm working on that's going to be called The Democratization of Genius. Basically, often people say, oh, you're a genius. And that feels weird to me because even if you even if and I appreciate I'm grateful for those that think I fit what a genius means. But I'm aware that all I do is learn a lot. I just obsess over learning things. Saying that right. to stay to That's your curiosity. I obsessively research marketing. Like it's not accident. I'm not these these videos aren't going viral by accident. I literally spend ten hours watching YouTube videos of how to create viral content. I'm listening to Gary B. I'm listening to Grant Cardone. I'm listening to Tom Bill. I'm listening to every nigga that talk about marketing. Seth Godin. Everybody. Like I am obsessively studying it. It's not like I just woke up with again. That first video was an accident. The first one that went viral was an accident. But after it did go viral, now I'm like, hmm, how did I do that? Let me unpack it and study it and deconstruct it. And then now I can engineer it. I know that if the first thing I say uh, is something very interesting, it's immediately going to spark interest. Quick public service announcement. Do you know why we wear red on Valentine's Day? I'm specifically asking this question with a, with a, with curiosity in my voice. And you're like, yeah, why the fuck do we wear it? It's, it's right, a right. psychological concept that I didn't know by heart. I learned it from watching YouTube and reading. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So oh, that's dope. I mean, that's that curiosity you talk about. I mean, yeah. that's a curiosity um, that goes in terms of we, we utilizing Tupac, Nipsey. I put Kobe Bryant in that same group. Obviously, that's, he didn't go to college. I got a picture of him in my, in my uh, all these right. people. Nobody, People say that Kobe Bryant was the most intelligent man they ever met in life. But in terms of like the traditional form of intelligence, he didn't have that. He didn't go to college, right? He didn't have any master's, bachelor's things in those He majors. obsessed over studying. He obsessed right. like every person that becomes extremely great of it. Grant Cardone has a book called Be Obsessed with Be Average. And that's a very mm-hmm. good concept. Every person that's really amazing at something, they're obsessed with it. All that nigga did was watch and study basketball. So if I'm going right. to be a content creator, I, I will tell everybody out here that's watching it. I literally watch hours of videos on marketing and how to create content. I watch hours of it obsessively. Right. 100%. That's dope. And at the end of the day, like, and if that's in that obsessive, obsessive come with it, the passion that you have, like, that's what inspires you to be great as well. Right. And, it, and that's what I think even that comes back into the limitless. Right. If mm-hmm. you obsess over something, you, you believe there is no limits to what you can achieve. Mm, right mm. there's no limits to what you can accomplish that's right so that's what makes and essentially you're still making people like you're limitless because if you believe in this if you obsess over this you can believe you can be anything that you want to be you just have to believe that there are no limits to yes. what society tells you you put yourself in you just gotta believe that you gotta believe that one thing kind of slightly on a tangent but one thing I, we talk about because obviously we are are we going to change the narrative? We are black menswear. That is our name, right? One thing that we talk about often is this theory of enclosed cognition, right? Mm-hmm. So the theory of enclosed cognition, that is how what you really wear affects your cognitive process and makes you feel better, right? It don't got to be in a suit. You don't got to wear a tie. You don't got to wear a hat. I mean, you got a nice, you know, minimal, minimal color palette right now. You killed it with, you know, with the tan. I see you with the gray, with the beanie. So you did your thing. You definitely dressed for the Chicago weather too. You did your thing, right? But we like to say it's like studies show, Harvard studies show that where they had a thousand students and they did the same test 
wearing hoodies and then they did the same test wearing lab coats, right? The one in the lab coat, they performed better. Not because they were smart, they didn't second guess themselves as much, right? More layman's terms example, right? How many times, like, you know, you got to do this presentation, you're going to get, you're going you gonna to kill in a day. Think about with women. Women, she knows she got to do a big decision. She ain't wearing Jessica Simpson heels. She going to pull out them Prada heels, right? Because she know I'm about to go kill them today. Ain't got nothing to do with anybody else in this room. You just feel inherently more confident in yourself, right? So that's one of the things we kind of talk about. But I like, and I say that to say, like, that's all about your cognitive process. So I think a lot of things what you're doing is, like, if you reinforce the same level of conscious thought, if you reinforce the same level of cognitive process, it's like, that's how you can have an impact. So do you think... Um, have you, what's the feedback you got from the videos that you create? Like if people reached out to you and said, man, like, um, you know, you impacted me this way, man, honestly, you saved my life from this way. And if so, how does that make you feel knowing that you have that impact in people? Hmm. It makes me feel like, um, mission, purpose. These are, these are words that just are, are, are just coming up. But yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm, I am doing it's funny when I write when I do an educational video, and this is even outside of the comments. Like, like let's 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 take it outside of just the recognition of people, but just completely personal. Like, let's say people didn't exist right now. When I spend however long I spend researching a video, I'm talking about more of the full length educational videos. When I spend however many time long times it takes to research it, and then I record the video, and then I edit it, and I do that, and that whole process might literally be like a 13 hour day. You know, of me just doing that nonstop. I research it, write it, uh, record it, edit it, whatever. It might be 13, 14 hour a day. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. After it, I literally say this out loud all the time. I'd be like, you earned your key today. You yeah. earned your key today, Charity. It's like, I feel like, I feel like life should be something you, you every day, you earning your existence. You see, services, that's how I earn my motherfucking house and i don't mean monetarily but i mean like any blessing that comes in my life i owe the world service you dig what i'm saying so for me that's just when when somebody tells me like i affected them i'm like i'm happy that i that i served you like i'm happy that i that i earned my existence i feel like we should all look at life as you owe service you dig what i'm saying like you owe that shit like nigga you exist that's just a, a massive thing. So, yeah. One of the quotes I love all the time uh, is the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Mm. Right. And I think that's exactly. exact. And I think that's exactly kind of what you said right there. It's like, that's really about you owe this service. Right. To your point, not to make it a serious spiritual conversation, but then it's like, God blesses you 
so you can bless others, right? Like even from a, even from a, even if you want to make it selfish, right? If you got all these blessings, don't nobody wants to be standing in the winter circle by themselves. What's the point There's of being no in the winter circle? Nobody to celebrate with. Right? There's, There's no, no purpose of life if not to give it away. There's no other purpose. There's nothing nothing There's else no- that actually makes sense. Like take take out if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in nothing. What right. is the purpose of you being here? Outside Correct. to help other people. There's no other way to There to, really to is not. Yeah. There's none at all. There's yeah. none at all. There's none at all. So I know we kind of wrap up then, but I want to kind of we like to wrap up with a couple different questions. But the first one we really want to ask you is if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, what would it say? What can we become? Mm. Expand on that for me. When you say, what can we become? Why would, why would that be on your billboard? Yeah, what could we become? Because back to that passionate curiosity, it's just like, you forget like that there's no limit to you. There is no right. limit. What could you become, Evan? Like right now, you, are, you just so happen to be in Chicago, so we just happen to be in the same city. But the, the the irony and the interesting thing is this same live could be performed if you were in fucking Vietnam right now, on this Correct. little on this little Correct. box, not hooked up to nothing. This little plastic box, my voice and face is being invisibly translated into pixels on the screen, and then sent out however many miles away to get to your phone, and a human created that. Right. You have the same brain that could do that same thing. What could you become, Evan? And I think mm-hmm. everybody needs to take a, a thought and think about us as a collective society. Wow. What could we become? Love that. Love yeah. that. What could we become? Because you can become, your life is limitless. You can become anything that you want to be, right? If you really yeah. obsess over it, if you really dive in learning how you want to learn, you can become anything. Like, that's dope. Um, yeah. So, what what is charity got in the hopper? Like you know, that's you know, that's that Midwest word hopper country, the country world and hopper. Like what do you what do you where can they find out? What do you got? In the, you know, you said you got a couple of books coming out. Tell the people what's uh, what's in store. What's next for you? Yeah, uh, right now I'm just continuing to just work on this content, just obsessively. You know, I'm a songwriter, so I'm working on writing songs for you know some people in the music industry, and so I love doing that. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just going to continue to create. My book and my album will come out when it comes out. It's going to come out, but I am patient. You know, I want to build up even more traction because I want it to hit stupidly hard. And so a book and an album will come. But for now, you know, stay in tune with me on social media and just, you know, we just want to continue to grow. Cool. And uh, for the people that don't know, what's your Spotify? Where can they find you? Actually, Instagram, they got you already on here. But where's Spotify? Other yeah, where's Charity Croft. Charity Croft or... If it's any type of streaming, anything, it's Charity Croft. If it's any type of social media, it's Old Chap Charity. And that's how you find me. Um, excuse me for asking, is Charity your actual name? No, it's, I, that's what I gave myself. From the Bible, Corinthians 13. Yeah. Gotcha. But I thought the reason I asked that is because the, the life of servitude. You being Absolutely. Charity. Yeah, no, that was, it was a Yeah, yeah. Dope, dope. Well, I just want to kind of say I really appreciate you, bro. Thank you for hopping on. Uh, once again, this is the check-in hosted by Black Men's Wear. We got Charity Croft, a.k.a. at Old Chap Charity on Instagram. This was phenomenal. And I want to say you're amazing. I know you're doing your end and wrap-up and shit. <laughs> Bro, this has been a wonderful interview. You called. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, appreciate, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. One thing, I appreciate you for coming on. Appreciate the kind words. Obviously, you know, you can find us on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, you name it, we out there. Uh, we are blackmenswear.com to check us out. 
Um, this once again, this is the check-in. We Atlanta pull up. Black men's wear flash my weekend. March 4th through March 7th, we taking over. Chicago, we will be here. June coming. So Cherry, I know you're pulling up to that one. So, I'm gonna pull up to that one. Uh, yeah, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Uh, we'll sign off now. Um, you got a last word you want to say to the audience? I love you. Uh, there we go. Love you too, bro. Love you all out there. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. I'll let you, bro. Thank you for listening to the check-in with Black Menswear. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Black Menswear. Check out and subscribe to the Black Menswear YouTube channel and visit us online at www.weareblackmenswear.com to join the mailing list for ongoing updates for the Black Menswear Flash Mob Tour. Peace and blessings. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.